Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that speaks powerfully to us. We thank you uh, for the promise of Pentecost that uh, those who believe in you uh, have the Holy Spirit to empower them to live Christian lives, to live lives that honour you and are not self-seeking. And we pray, Lord, as we continue to unpack the book of Romans, as it continues to diagnose our, our problems and our great need for you and your salvation, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, would, hum- uh, would uh, enable us to humble ourselves uh, that we might uh, come under your loving hand. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start today by uh, talking about bad people. Bad people like Martin Bryant, mass murderer from the 90s in Tasmania, or Adolf Hitler, who we all know who he is, really big mass murderer. Uh, or what about, uh, maybe not on that, uh, that kind of scale, but someone who uh, seems to be equally reviled for being a bad guy, someone like George Powell, uh, someone who's failed to uh, uh, act in uh, appropriate ways to deal with child sexual abuse. When you try and think of a bad person, I wonder who it is that comes to your mind. And of course... Though we're, revolt, uh, uh, we're repulsed by these people and their behaviours and the things that they do, it is actually kind of nice, isn't it, to, to know that there are a whole bunch of really bad people out there who do really bad stuff and that we're not quite as bad as they are. I mean, sure, people like Martin Bryant and George Pell and Adolf Hitler, that might be a little bit excessive, but let, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. What about your thoughtless and annoying neighbour who always, you know, chucks the garden clippings over your fence and you would never do that? Or what about your deadbeat dad who was never around enough when you were growing up? Or your psychopathic boss who is, uh, you know, so obsessed with himself he never actually thinks about his employees? There's actually a whole lot of people who we can think of who may not be on that way far out scale, but who, in fact, in our lives, we think they're bad people. They're people who I am not as bad as. And actually, I think that we love to know that we are better than someone else, that we are more upright than someone else, that, um, that if uh, uh, someone neutral was looking at the situation, they would rank us more highly in the good stakes than they would these other people. Because let's be really honest about what's really going on in our hearts. It, it just feels good knowing that there is someone else out there who is more judgmental than us, more racist than us, more environmentally careless than us, more angry than us, more murderous than us, more greedy than us, because if there is, then we must be fine, even though we know we're not perfect. Now, of course, if you were with us last week, when we were looking at the second half of chapter one of the book of Romans, uh, this kind of thinking is the great temptation 
when we get to the end of chapter 1. You'll remember, uh, uh, Paul says that the wrath of God is being revealed against a whole bunch of people who do all sorts of detestable things to God. And when we read through that passage, it can be all too easy, can't it, to just sit back and to sort of happily join in in their condemnation, trusting in our own morality and our own good nature. And Paul knows that we're inclined to, to, to think like this. And so he puts us right in these verses that Emma read for us today from chapter 2 of Romans, verses 1 through 16. Paul's next section addresses the one who passes judgment on someone else. And what these opening verses from verse 1 through 4 say to us is that we need to be careful. Because for those who pass judgment, Paul says, judgment will come. Now, this sort of judgmental mindset of, 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 of kind of rejoicing in the fact that others are, are, are worse than us and, and using that as some sort of balm for our souls is a mindset that's been described not just by Paul here in in the first century in Romans, but throughout history. In fact, Thomas Hobbes, who was a 17th century political philosopher, he wrote that people are forced to keep themselves in their own favour by observing the imperfections of other men. We, We do this all the time. It's kind of how we prove to ourselves that we're okay. And what this does, what this kind of mindset of judging others, of of, uh, keeping ourselves in our own favour, as Thomas Hobbes says, by observing the imperfections of others, uh, it, it allows us to keep some of our more respectable sins and to build our self-respect and our self-wealth without dealing with those things. What's really interesting, I think, is that when we come to a passage like we have here in Romans 2, is that most people, when they read about these judgmental people that Paul talks about here, uh, we think of the the Pharisees or their modern-day equivalent people, hypocritical, judgmental, religious people. And in one sense, it's right that we do think that. For there are a whole bunch of people out there who think that because they uh, uh, can call themselves Christians, they are better than the rest of us. But of course, a Christian who understands that they've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and his his resurrection, someone who really gets that is not now going to stand in judgment over the rest of the world. We can leave that to God. If you've met a judgmental Christian, you've probably actually met someone who believes that they are saved by works. And 
the cause of their judgmentality? Well, who knows uh, for each individual, but for many, perhaps, uh, it's this idea that if they can continue to pour judgment on others, no one else is going to skip ahead of them in the works queue. No one's going to get a better place in heaven than they will. But of course, in 2020, in the year in which we find ourselves today, and what a great year it's turning out to be so far, uh, there's actually uh, a, a, another bunch of people who I think are equally self-righteous, judgmental and hypocritical, though potentially not for religious reasons. We live in a very irreligious society or non-religious society and yet this same heart attitude of uh, wanting to keep others down so that we can feel good about ourselves manifests itself even today. I haven't got, uh, quite got the name for it. You know, like the, it's easiest for us to identify the, hyper, the hypocritical religious person. But there's another group of people, uh, the, the, the hypocritical self-righteous. I, I don't know exactly what we might call them. But these are the people who, who go to the right protests, who buy the right products, who uh, wear the right badges, uh, who have the right progressive views on uh, whatever society thinks is cool who are loud and proud and extremely quick to sit in judgment over others with whom they disagree. Just as bad as the religious Pharisee. And Romans speaks to them as well. Be careful who you judge because judgment is coming to us all. So, next time you think about uh, passing judgment on someone for their behaviour or their political views or not being religious enough, remember the words of Paul, verse 1. You have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same thing. We need to leave the judgment to God, for God judges based on what? Based on truth, verse 2. And of course, God is a true and a just judge, and his, truth, uh, his true and just judgment is coming to us all, but God is not a heartless or unloving judge, verses 3 and 4. And particularly, let me read to you from verse 4, do you show contempt for the richness of God's kindness, forbearance and patience, not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God is a true and a just judge who loves justice and righteousness and his holiness. But he is a kind God. He is a patient God. And he wants to spare us from his judgment. He's waiting patiently for us to come to him in repentance. But he will not wait forever. Verses 5 and 6. Because of your stubbornness 
and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. Paul's reminding us of the truth. That when all is said and done, one day God is going to return. And though you may have felt good about yourself by judging others and putting everyone into some sort of good and bad line and deciding that you uh, were were on the good end of, of, of that spectrum, God is going to return and he is going to judge you. And he's going to judge me. And that news ought to lead us to repentance, lest we experience God's wrath. Now, this is vitally important for us as Christians to understand. uh, Because uh, there's a whole bunch of people out there who practice what I might call therapeutic Christianity. That is, uh, they don't feel very good about themselves. And, uh, and what they do is they, they use Christianity uh, as kind of a balm uh, to, to, to their problems. So they want to feel good about themselves, they want to know that they matter, they want to know that they're special, and so they, 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 they say, oh, God loves you, God, God cares about you, uh, he, he, he hears some good self-talk you can give yourself to overcome your struggles, you can, you can walk in victory, how good is that? And, and all of that is partly true. But it's only true if we first face reality. And the reality is that you and I are no good at all. What theologians call this idea of total depravity. Human beings deserve God's wrath and judgment, all of them. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because in the next few verses... Uh, Paul talks about from verses 7 through 11 about how God's judgment for what we have done works itself out. Let me just reread them to you. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile but glory and honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, for God does not show favouritism. God's judgement on us will be just and righteous. But what I just want to quickly address as we reflect on those verses is the question of whether or not Paul has suddenly become a salvation by works kind of guy, for that's what it sounds like a little bit, isn't it? That those who do the right thing... Well, they get glory, honour, immortality, and those who do the wrong thing, they get wrath and anger. Is this salvation by works? Well, it can't be, can it? Because literally, uh, just a few verses ago, in chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. What Paul's reminding us here is that our salvation comes to us by faith, but God's judgment is worked out by works. That is, you're going to be judged according to what you have done. And that's exactly why you need to be saved by what Jesus has done. And what's going to happen on, on Judgment Day, when, when the Lord returns, is your life is going to be out for public view. And God is going to declare his judgment on everything in your life. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't feel very good. Like, there are a lot of things that you and I keep hidden, keep private, let few people into because we're ashamed or we're upset about them or we, uh, we, we know that they're the wrong thing or we kind of like indulging in them but we can get by without ever dealing with them because we know how to project. But on the day of judgment, no more. For God to be a righteous and just judge, he needs the evidence. Like if you commit a crime, you can only be found guilty of the crime if the police uh, can gather the evidence and then the jury finds you guilty based on the public display of evidence. This is what God's judgment is going to be like on us. And the evidence for each of us is our lives and the things we have done. And it's not a scale, good and bad, and hopefully you get into the good pile. No, it's a, it's a judgment for all of your life, and every bad thing requires judgment. Like if, a, if a, 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 someone finds themselves in court for um, a, a, a relatively minor offence, say, let's say they steal something from a shop. They don't get found not guilty of that crime because they also donated a million dollars to charity. They're still guilty. And that's how it will be for you and I. And that's why we need Jesus. And also, though, what we see is when we come to Jesus, that there is going to be a transformation. That those who seek glory, that is the, the manifestation of God himself, those who seek honour, that is God's approval, those who seek immortality, that is eternal joy in God's presence, those who seek God, their lives are transformed so that you can start to see the fruit of their salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit working in their hearts. But for those who are self-seeking, there is wrath and there is judgment. And we are without excuse. In verses 12 through 16, Paul reminds us that regardless of our knowledge, each of us finds ourselves in the same boat. Whether we knew God's law or not, 
by the very nature of being human beings created in the image of God, we have consciences that bear witness to our sin. We know when we've done the wrong thing and it doesn't matter how much we argue about it, how much we justify it. When our hearts condemn us, we are condemned. Now, this message of Romans is radical to our 21st century ears. Because what this message is telling us is that we are not okay, that we are not fine, that, uh, that, that we cannot just do whatever we want and everything will work out okay in the end. No, you are not okay. You are morally responsible for your actions and at God's judgment day, he will find you guilty. And he will judge you for what you have done and there is only one way out. The good news of the Christian faith is that you're stuffed, but God loves you. You're wretched, but God loves you. You're hopeless, but God loves you. And he came down in the person of Jesus Christ to rescue you, to take the judgment you deserve. And you're never going to truly understand how wonderful Christ is, how beautiful what he did on the cross is. Unless you spend some somber moments here in Romans 2, realising your true predicament. How wonderful it is that God's salvation is not based on our actions, but the actions of Christ. How wonderful that I don't need to concern myself with the constant comparison game of trying to work out whether I'm better on average than, than other people so that I can sort of think if on the scale of balance of all the bad and all the good, maybe I'm going to fall out on the good side. How wonderful it is that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. God has given me his salvation. And though I fail and though I fall, in him I find love and life and redemption. People find it really hard to accept this idea that we are all stuffed, that we are all broken, that we are all sinful. They find it an affront, and it is an affront to our 21st century minds. And yet, we have to believe this truth if we want to understand the beauty and the joy of the gospel. Because the truth is, 
though we are stuffed, though we deserve judgment, though we, we, we ought receive wrath and condemnation, God, in the richness of his kindness, forbearance and patience, calls you and me today and every day to repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls us to turn from our broken and our self-centered ways and says, leave that life behind and come to me. Come to me, for I have borne in my son on the cross the punishment that you deserve. You see, Christianity is not Christianity if you believe that everyone is mostly good and just needs a little help from Jesus to be a better version of themselves. It's, it, there's just no power in that gospel. The only way it really works is if you understand the truth that we are completely and utterly detestable and yet totally and unconditionally loved and invited by our loving Father into relationship with him through faith. I want to finish by reflecting on our, that final verse from our reading today, verse 16. Paul says, This will take place, the judgment, uh, this will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. This will take place. God's judgment will come. Our lives will be on public display. Everything you've ever done is going to be out for all to see. And God in his holiness and perfection is going to judge you according to that life, according to those things. Do you believe that if literally every thought you've ever had, everything you've ever done was on display, that you could stand before a holy and righteous and powerful God and say, hey, on balance, let me in. There's no way that I think I can stand on that day based on my life. No way. And when we understand that, that's the road out of judgment, the road out of our own judgment and the road out of being judgmental. When we understand that we're all going to fall short on that day and we all need to come to the Lord Jesus we're able to quit our judgment of others. We're able to quit trying to compare ourselves. We're able to quit striving and fretting and we're able to quit virtual signaling and, and proving to anyone that we're good people. Instead, we fall on our knees. We come to the Lord Jesus. We turn away from a life centred on ourselves and instead centre it on God and all he's done for us. When Jesus was walking the earth, he said these words in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. How true that is when we think about all that God has done for us in in removing this yoke of judgment, in this removing this yoke of of needing to prove ourselves, uh, of, of removing the need to make sure we're better than others. He takes all that away. And instead, he says, come to me. Find rest for your souls. As we remember that first Pentecost Sunday where the Holy Spirit came and empowered the disciples to preach this gospel message that Christ had died for their sins, that he had taken the judgment we deserve and the Spirit came and changed the lives of thousands of people. I pray that today the Spirit might open your heart and your eyes to this good news that in Jesus you can find rest and salvation and that you will never be caught up in the just judgment and wrath that you deserve.